Hello, this is Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and I would like to welcome you to Smart Amazing Conversations with Dr. Nancy, a podcast that takes a look at stories of life and leadership for smart, amazing women and men like you. The most important thing is showing up. Don't think that you have to bring anything. Bring yourself, show up, and and remain steadfast and be a... If you are in a position of leadership and a position of management, bring women along with you. Supporting women is my passion and my purpose. And talking with other women and men who promote women's leadership is one of my favorite things to do. I've yet to meet a woman who did not know what she really wanted. She was just either afraid to ask the questions or she was afraid of what the answers meant. Their stories connect us and help us to understand that the possibilities are endless if we support each other and lift other women up. Trust is created by persistent identity. I show up as myself time and time and time again. And trust is built. It's one conversation at a time. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy O'Reilly. And I'm happy to welcome Samantha Carlin to Smart Amazing Conversations with Dr. Nancy. Samantha is the CEO of Empower Global, which facilitates training on diversity, equity, and inclusion for Fortune 500 companies. Empower also runs groundbreaking Women's Leadership Challenge for women's leaders around the world. The 50 women graduate have formed an international network of powerful women helping each other. She is also a DEI DEI facilitator for Corn Ferry and for Equal Reality and speaks and does training all over the world, including Harvard University, Tufts University, IE University, and Horasis Global Conference. Samantha speaks on the TED Talks, which I listen to, fantastic platforms. Host Samantha Popolic, throw Pollux. You're going to have to probably say that for yeah, me. Yeah, I probably should have named it something simplar. <laughs> Samantha Throw Politics, a cutting edge talk show about global politics and women's rights, and where she interviews DC heavyweights and feminist activists about foreign policy. She has also been published in the Washington Post, Conscious Company Magazine, and Women 2.0. Previously, Samantha led the global engagement for a Silicon Valley tech company led Ashoka programming with female social entrepreneurs, built coalitions for the Hillary for America campaign, and managed the women issues portfolio for the U.S. Embassy in Sarajevo. And Samantha holds a master's of art in law and diplomacy with a specialization in global gender analysis and conflict resolution for the Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy. She is a trained mediator and speaks Spanish fluently. So I'm pleased to welcome you. And I'm sure you probably get about three hours of sleep at night. So welcome to. Uh, yeah, I think that was enough. <laughs> with Dr. Nancy. So welcome. We finally got that figured out, so I'm pleased to have you here. Now, I did listen to your uh, TED Talks, and, and and actually, you and I are soul sisters. We just don't know it. I'm way older than you because I'm in a different category, but millennials and Gen X and Gen Y, I mean, there's just so much that we can learn from each other. I'm excited about what you're doing because many of the things we're doing, we've been doing at Women uh, Connect for Good for some time and building this community is what it's about. So joining you all and you joining with us is what this is about for me. So welcome. Thank you. I'm <laughs> delighted to be here. Can you, you can hear me okay? 
I can see me okay. You look absolutely gorgeous. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start out. I'm going to, I saw your questions, but I'm really more interested because we align in so many areas that I would like to continue in that realm. And I want people to go to your website. I want them to learn more about you. So we direct them to you to find out more information. But, um, you know, first I'm going to start with the personal story because I think what's most important especially women that are successful or another woman looks at you, you know, you're beautiful, you're attractive, you've got a great personality. You look at these credentials and you go, oh my gosh, things must be so easy for her. And I think when we tell that personal story, we find out that we've all had our trials and tribulations to become who we are. And there's always a, there's always some connection that when we come together and tell where we came from and why we're doing what we're doing, there's almost an immediate connection. So tell me about you. How'd you get to be the person I'm finally getting to see on screen today? Uh, So, I mean, I think the biggest influence in my life has really been my little sister and my family. Um, So I have a multiply handicapped sister who was born with a genetic brain disease called Canavan disease. Uh And when she was born and, and finally diagnosed, my parents were told there's no cure there's nothing you can do about this. Let her put her into an institution and let her die. Uh, Just absolutely horrible. Um, So she was supposed to die by age five, max age 10. And my parents are just amazing people. And they said, no, thank you. We're not interested in letting our child die. And so my father, who's a physician, started going after researchers and really, you know, calling every doctor he knew, anyone he knew that anything to do with genetics um, and researching or, and, and trying to get people to research this disease because nobody was working on it. It's not even like, you know, you're looking at a common disease and there's there's research being done to find a cure. There was nothing being done to find a cure. So like there was literally no hope. Yeah. Um, and so my parents, you know, kind of knocked on lots of doors, finally convinced these two amazing researchers at Yale, Dr. Pauli Leone and Dr. Matt During to start researching cannabis disease. And, you know, I watched my parents fight through a lot to be able to save my sister's life. Um, So, you know, fast forward to, you know, my sister was the first person in the world to be treated with gene therapy for brain disease about 18 months after the research started, which is like lightning fast research in New Zealand. And, uh, you know, it's not a total success story per se, but my sister is still alive. She's 27 now. Wow. Fantastic. Fantastic. She was supposed to, you know, die by age 10. And it, it it's, you know, now all these other kids have been treated with gene therapy that are doing well. And so I think that really just has formed the basis of my entrepreneurial kind of nature. And this idea that like people say, well, it's impossible. I watched something that was said that was scientifically impossible come to fruition very quickly yeah. And saw the the effect of persistence and determination and passion and emotion. You know, my mom um, testified in front of Congress to let them, you know, do an experimental treatment on my sister. Uh, you know, so I think that really forms the basis for who I am as a kind of selfless, fearless type of person. Okay, but so where did the women's inclusion and diversity come into? Because, you know, I live by these terms. I live by the power to, I live by inclusion and diversity and uh, gender equity. I like the gender reality because I think that's really what we need. So where did that all come into play, though? I mean, again, is that because of some of the things that you all experienced? 
experienced and, and your mother experienced or whatever, something happened during that process that you said, wait a minute, we've got to have diversity and we have to have inclusion in this world? Um, I, I mean, I wish I could say there was a pivotal moment, but it was really uh, an undergraduate. I, when I was at Tufts, I took a class called Gender, Conflict and Culture in Complex Humanitarian Emergencies. And just the the horrific amount of gender-based violence that happens in this world is just, it's sickening to see how women are used as pawns, um, sex trafficking, uh, violence against women. Um, And then kind of to top it all off, what my professors kind of instilled in me is that the world has kind of been created by and for white Western property owning men. And if you don't fit into that, criteria, you did not play a part in creating the world that you now live in, but you have to deal with the consequences. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, it's like, how do you put a gender analysis into everything you do? Because, or else you're you're only serving one strata of the population. Yeah. Well, I call them good old white boys. (laughs) I've got got some different terminology, but uh, yeah, I mean, we, we, uh, and, and, you know, there was a time in our history, if we look back, I don't know if you know Tiffany Shalane, who wrote uh, Misrepresentation, which talks about 50 women who basically were doing amazing things in this world long before men ever had this idea that women should have a a back seat and not have a seat at the table. But that we, we come from a very rich history, but unfortunately, our history books have not shown that and still aren't showing that. And many universities, women's studies have just disappeared. And so we, we definitely have to keep looking at what's going on and, and finding a seat at the table and making sure other women have a seat at the table as well. So, okay, well, tell me about this organization. How did it, I mean, you've had a background working with Fortune 500 companies and you've worked with the diversity and inclusion there, but where did this particular organization come from and uh, what's going on with that? Yeah, so I think I saw, so when I was at Ashoka, I was working with amazing human rights activists from all over the world. Mm. And I was with this group, I put together this amazing um, retreat in Bellagio, Italy for women social entrepreneurs from all over the world. Mm. And we were, you know, we just kind of done our workshop for the day. We were sitting drinking wine in this like, you know, kind of little Bellagio cafe in Lake Como. It was winter, so it was kind of empty. And you know, we were talking about, because everyone was a social change leader, and we were talking about, like, what really compels people to, to create social change? What really gets them to change their tune from only caring about money to caring about the environment? And we kind of came to the conclusion that that personal experiences and emotions really have an effect. Yes, logic matters, and people can read a PowerPoint presentation and say that this matters, but when someone has a really personal situation, like, for example, having a handicapped child their entire viewpoint changes on handicapped children and do they deserve social welfare, for example. Sure. So I met um, two amazing men uh, at an incubator in DC where I was advising that we're doing virtual reality for diversity and inclusion uh, called Equal Reality. And they put a headset on me. And basically the whole concept is that, you know, you put a headset on and VR is immersive. You you know, you you can't escape virtual reality. It's like you see you're behind you, you're still in the scene here you're still in the scene and they basically put you in the shoes of a black woman a handicapped person somebody who's not like you and you like you look at your hands and like the mirror and you see like a black woman's hands or you know you and you go along with the script that was written by people of that group to feel what it's like to be treated to be marginalized and treated differently 
That's wonderful. And it's an emotional experience. Yeah. And I was like, I have been doing all these different types of trainings. I need to use your VR. Like, I want to do trainings for you. This is the entrepreneur in me, right? And they're like, well, we actually need someone to do workshops. I was like, great. Sign me up. Like, uh, I, I want to do it. Because, you know, I, I also went to graduate school where I studied conflict resolution, mediation, um, gender again, U.S. foreign policy. And so I know a lot about all different things happening in the world, different types of populations. Uh, and I was like, I could do this globally. So that kind of started my whole, you know, kind of diversity, equity, and inclusion journey in terms of doing trainings. And then uh, with the Women's Leadership Program, the Women's Leadership Program I created during COVID. Mm -hmm. And I basically saw that, you know, we were really lacking human connection and people were struggling, frankly, including including myself. I just had a bad breakup. My ex-boyfriend had moved out. I was alone, you know, like including me of being like, wow, we all really need connection. And I um, had been doing a lot of corporate workshops on women's leadership, women's empowerment, storytelling for women, all sorts of women's stuff. And I said, what if I could just put all this together with also like my knowledge of the international world and how to create change and make it into a curriculum and then have a group course, but limit it. So my classes are only eight to 10 women, usually eight. Mm-hmm. The idea being that people get to know each other really, really well. Right. So there's tons of time built in for discussion. Like everybody participates in class. It's not, you know, and that's part of feminist leadership to me. It's the idea that I don't have all the answers. And I have women in my class who are many years my senior and much more experienced than me, right? And so I can set the frame and teach you the theory that I've developed or what I've done to create institutional change, but then I want to hear from you or I'm going to bring in a speaker. Yeah. Well, I have a very simple, simple premise as far as uh, you can call it my theory, whatever. Women Connect for Good was founded for the specific, the, the mission and the specific direction, women supporting women. I don't know, again, looking at, uh, you know, I think globally women are, are starting to support each other. I think, our, you know, in the United States of America, we probably have probably the worst uh, rate of white women supporting other white women than any other country that I can think of. And this has been part of my whole reason for doing Women Connect for Good, but I want to make sure and expand this to a a global audience. But Mm. if every woman in the United States of America supported every other woman, I think women of color are way ahead of us when it comes to support. If every Mm. other white woman supported every other white woman in the United States, inclusion and diversity would just fall right into place. And I don't know how how the millennials and I don't know how the Gen X and Gen Y feel about that. But this is something that I continue to struggle with over and over again is women, white women supporting other white women and getting past their jealousies, getting past their own biases, because, uh, you know, you talk about unconscious bias. And, and this is this is huge. It's huge because most of the biases that women have come from their own biases towards themselves, especially mm-hmm. white women. So that, you know, if we can really start to uncover what's getting in our way and keeps us from lifting other women, women up as we rise, uh, you know, I, I like to think it's it's a simple fix, but what what is your what is your thought? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I confront that a lot, and you know, in my own career, I had an instance where a woman who was very senior in an organization completely threw me under the bus. Yeah, and I trusted her, and she really betrayed me, and and was even out to get me. 
And so I think what I've seen with the women that I work with is there's, you have to help people shift from a scarcity to an abundance mindset that there's, you know, it used to be the the queen bee. There's only room for one woman on the board Mm -hmm. or one woman at the top. And so I think part of this is shifting to abundance mindset of there's room for many of us at the top. And furthermore, the more of us that are at the top, the more we're all going to get ahead. If like you said, we all support one another. Yeah, success is about bringing people together. But uh, yeah, well, we'll talk a little bit about power now because this is a real issue for women, especially white women. But it's the power too, to use your talents, to use your abilities in a powerful way to make change, not only within your own your own lives, but in the community and the world at large. And this is something I think that you you all understand better than anyone is that, you know, the power, we were born with power. Every woman, every person is born with power. It's a matter of them accepting and understanding and understanding the value. But why don't you speak to that a little bit? Because I love I love what you said for your TED Talk. Let's see, where is it? Wow, the power. Well, it's the power, power to, power with, yeah. um, power with. Powerless, the powerless having the power. And I, and I really think that's a great analogy. So if you would mind, speak to that a little bit. Sure. Well, so the first one, which I don't actually really talk about in my TED Talk, is the power within. Mm-hmm. How do you activate and access your own power? So how do you, and in my course, we talk about like, what's standing in your way? I deal with, uh, you know, I have a lot of women who have trouble standing up for themselves right. or setting boundaries or saying no right. or telling, you know, a guy who's, who's rude to them or a woman, like, screw you, I'm right, you're wrong, and I'm not going to take the guilt for this because this is your fault. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I've seen a lot of shifts in my women's leadership program, which has been really cool of women who start that way and they leave and they're just like, nope, not taking that from you. And I'm very proud of that. Um, But that's part of accessing the power within. Like, where does your power come from? And so in my leadership course, we talk about the things that are unique to you, your strengths, your personality, your attributes, your talents, Um, the the things that really make you, you, I call them your intrinsic power. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people, when they get caught in a comparison trap as well, of like this person's richer, this person's prettier, this person's whatever, they forget that nobody on the planet has the same unique combination of attributes that you do, that I do, that my sister does. And when you start to see what's unique about you, I think that really helps people to access that power. Then it's like, well, what do I want to do with that power? Right. And so that's where you're talking about, you know, the decision of, you know, what issues really matter to you? What are you willing to put yourself on the line for? Um, And then the power with is power sharing. So the idea that you and I can both be successful, that we don't have to compete with one another, that we can have power together. Yeah. And share that power. And that's a a big aspect of women, of feminist leadership. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm the chair of a of a board called Take the Lead, and I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's a mm-hmm. wonderful curriculum program. Uh, Gloria Felt is the uh, one of the co-founders, but basically, it's 50 cohorts. It's cohorts in law, in media, entertainment, but these are 50 women that are chosen by their peers in the particular cohort who go mm-hmm. through this training. But one of the biggest things that we hear in this training is. What do I do with that mean woman? What do I do with mean women? And and to me, Mm. here we are, 2021, and I'm still hearing these kinds of things. And, and, you know, we've made so much progress. And, of course, we'll talk about COVID also and that 
uh, I think we've, we've, we've lost some ground, but we've also have some really great opportunities. And you've already pointed one out, which is connection. The relationships and the connection that we're having with one another is growing to such a, I mean, growing the whole community to such a level that when we come together, anything is going to be possible. But, but again, when, when we bring women together, this is another thing that we heard. And these were women professionals that were chosen by their peers in these particular cohorts. So they were already seen as valuable uh, parts of these cohorts. But they said the most important thing that they, they left with the training was the network, was the network and the referral base that, that was developed in this process. And the women that they were all already doing joint projects with, Yep. Uh, referring with and and they were they were having so much more success and so much more fun because now they were building a community of like-minded women right. and bringing in men also to support that but that that was the whole value and i'm sure your your women's leadership program is no different than that yeah i mean and then i think you know going back to like what do we do with mean women per se i think you have it's it's about setting cultures as a teacher, as a CEO, as whatever it is, it's setting a culture of what we do here. And I do this, my women's leadership program is we support each other. And when I, I, when I interview people, I can kind of pick out the negative people that aren't going to, you know, not too gung-ho on other women. And I'm not interested. They're they're not, they're not, it's too small. There's too, too few people in my group to have women with that negativity. And that's part of the understanding. It's built into the group rules at the beginning of the of the cohort about confidentiality, connection, uplifting one another, supporting one another. And I've set that culture just like you would at a company. And so now I have this amazing, you know, I have almost 50 women now that I've been through or in my program right now. And I'm going to start doing an ask and give circle, which is like for referrals. So someone can come in and say, I need a publisher. And somebody will say, great, I, I know a publisher. I need a website. Great, I build websites, right? So it becomes this referral network. But I think, you know, part of the beauty of it is the, these women all know that they've all been through my program. And that I don't tolerate women who put down other women. There is no place for that in my ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And so I think that in terms of how do we, you know, get this broader, I'm starting to see other women, like I, I really love SHEO by Vicki Saunders, which is a venture capital kind of community of women supporting women. And I think it's, you know, kind of having these ecosystems and just growing them bigger and bigger. And I think when you do this type of training, a lot of my training is how do you not reinforce the patriarchy? Yeah. So I want these women to go out into their worlds and have a ripple effect where they're now supporting and empowering other women. Some of them were already. Some of them may not have been as much or may not have been as motivated to do it. And so they're now going to have ripple effects to create their own ecosystems that are positive because they see what happens in mine, which is really, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So so how is that working with, okay, let's let's stay in the United States for a little bit. I know you're global, but in the United States, what, where do you think we are compared to where we were five years ago. And I know COVID's changed a lot of things, but mm-hmm. we're, we're in five years as far as what you're talking about and I'm talking about, we're, what kind of progress do you think we've actually made? I'm trying to think. So five years was like 2016. So unfortunately, and this you know is not to be political at all, but I do think that having Trump as president was not a great thing for women's rights. 
Um, so unfortunately, in terms of the past five years, I, I think that from a policy perspective, like if we're thinking about U.S. domestic policy, a lot of our policy has had to basically take what Trump did and is now trying to pedal back and undo everything that he did before we can do anything. Yeah. Um, but, you know, things that, that are positive, I just had a call with a company that wants to place me as a board member or something. And they were talking about, you know, the new laws, like in California now, there has to be a woman on the board. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. That's becoming a lot more normalized. That's and, and I think, you know, with diversity, equity, and inclusion, you know, the fact that all these companies are now hiring chief diversity officers, they're publishing their metrics of saying we have, you know, 30% of women in senior management or 40%, um, you know, they're, and if they don't publish their metrics, they're being pressured to public their to publish their metrics. A lot more attention to women of color and what are the challenges and burdens that women of color face and how do we lift those? And I think the other thing that's really been important is with COVID seeing how many women removed themselves from the workforce or were laid off. It was like $800 billion lost globally in lost income from women during COVID. Yeah, and, many, and many say they're not going to return. They're not going to yeah. go back. And, and, many, and so like, I think, you know, that's going to be a big reversal of how do we bring those women back to the workforce? Back but and but now we have stuff on the table, like the House just, you know, passed the Build Back Better bill. I hope it passes in Senate. It probably won't. But it has four weeks of paid leave for every person in the U.S., even self-employed people like me. Right. I get four weeks of paid leave. My sister's a federal defender. She's a federal defender. She gets paid not that much money. She's really smart and could be making big money at a firm where she gets maternity leave. And she had zero paid maternity leave when she had her daughter. Yeah. Like that's that's not a country that that I want to live in. Frankly. I mean, it, to get people, to get women, especially back to work, we have to have flex hours. We have to have daycare. There's so many things that are going to have to happen to get women back in the workplace. But that's going to be a real that is that has got to be a goal right now. That's got to be one of mm -hmm. the biggest goals that we have is to get women. Uh, and oftentimes the talent walks out the door. I mean, the talent walks out there because oftentimes the women don't feel appreciated. They don't feel like they have a voice right. and there's nobody there to support them. So why the hell should I stick around? So, yeah. you know, now we, we've got we've got some things to still do. But, you know, I'm excited about what you're doing. And I, I wish we had lots and lots of time to talk about it. But, you know, I want to challenge you as well. You know, we're, we're in the midst of many, many changes. I have some introductions I would love to make for you. I love that. Uh, Dr. Sheila Robinson, who is the CEO and founder of Diversity Women's ba Business Magazine, has a mm -hmm. conference every year. There are some wonderful uh, organizations out there doing some wonderful things. World mm -hmm. Pulse is another organization that we've gotten involved with. And these are, these are making sure women all over the world, especially in some of the more troubled area, areas like uh, Afghanistan and Uganda are mm -hmm. having a voice and then they're feeling support throughout the world of, mm. of what the other women are out there really supporting them and that sometimes could be the most important thing that any woman feels is that she's not alone and that she has that mm. support and then last but not least we have a campaign that goes on 52 weeks 52 52 weeks every year every week and it's called the lift women up campaign Mm, I love it. Very simple. We have 52 weeks of things that women can do to support other people, other women. Amazing. You know, if, you know, if every one of us lifted another woman as we rose in a corporation, just think what these corporations would look like. Yeah, absolutely. These Fortune 500 companies, the percentages and the California law that just passed, which is fantastic, wouldn't be needed. It'd already be in place everywhere mm. in the country. So we, we've got some things to do and we've got some challenges, but 
I'm excited about your organization. I, I want to promote what you're doing and I want yeah. to connect you with other organizations. So um, I want you to join. join we got to join forces. We've I would to- love that. <laughs> I agree. I well, agree. But uh, all right. What, what, what are some of your most important goals and objectives right now, especially for women's leadership? What do you want to see happen coming days in this next year? <sighs> And the coming days in this next year. I'll just make it simple. What what really is on your mind more than Yeah, anything? I mean to be to Wait, be frank, like so, some of the stuff that like we have we have lots of problems in America. And I see the women that I deal with face them every day. But what tugs at my heartstrings is the stuff I report about in other countries. Uh, I mean, I started this show, Samantha Politics, basically to make global news and global issues relatable to Americans and to share a feminist voice on global politics, which always means asking where are the women and girls. And, you know, after today's uh, segment with you, I'm going to be doing a segment of global news update. And then just listening to the way that women are used as pawns all over the world. Like the Taliban has now just said, we don't want women as actresses in TV dramas. And I still have women, I still have women reaching out to me from Afghanistan after doing an Afghanistan show saying, help me get out of this country. Yeah. I'm in the Hazara minority. Like my family can't leave the house. I, I, I mean, you know, today I was, th- t- was um, I'm going to be talking about the Belarus Poland border crisis and these poor migrants that are human beings going to the border of Belarus, just trying to seek a better life because they want to make money and they don't want to be in a war torn country. And they're, you know, basically being used as pawns and freezing to death in the woods by this, horrendous president, Alexander Lukashenko, uh, like just some of the situations in these in these foreign countries is just so abysmally bad that I think it can be overwhelming um, because, but we, I think we just have to see people as people. And just because somebody's from Syria or from the US, like it doesn't make like, even our, the fact that we, we kill like the, all of these airstrike things have come out that we killed 70 women and children in Syria because of some rogue unit that decided it was self-defense. Yeah. Like we can't do that. So I think the U.S. has to set international, um, we, we need to join CEDAW. Um, we need to set our own, you know, we need to pass the Equal Rights Amendment within the U.S. Um, exactly. And just there's so many things going on with women and girls around the world that is just incredibly sad. And I, it, it, it pains me, frankly. That's what, that's what keeps me up at night, I would say. You know, I, I definitely believe that is actually a lot of it, but we awareness is key. We can't just sit back and just go, everything's okay. Not we have to we have to keep putting the information out there and, and letting people know what's going on. And you know, people I think most people, ninety-nine percent of most people want to help. They just don't know how. Yeah. So so I think between what you're doing, what we do and organizations that we work with if if we still keep putting things out there in ways that we can help but but again the key is support the key is connection and the key is awareness and that's what you're doing that's what we're doing but if we build these strong vital communities of like-minded women and men mm-hmm. then we have a very very good chance of, of making change uh, be being ultimate change masters and change 
uh, you know, that we can do this. But uh, all right. So let's talk about more about how they reach you. I know we could keep talking forever. Sure. And you've got to get your global news out. And I've got another meeting at five o'clock. <laughs> so, but uh, it may, and maybe we should do this again when we when we have a, you know, a, I, again, I, I don't just talk to people for 30 minutes and, and just say, okay, that, that was great. What my goal is, is to create connections and collaborations and connect with other other organizations and women that I think are going to be beneficial for for each other. So yeah, I we really get, appreciate that. Learn more about you and just, I would love that we need a better connection to your global news as well. Thank you. Um, so for in terms of my show, so it, the spelling is pretty terrible, but it's basically a mix of like anthropology, politics, and my name. So Samantha Politics, T-H-R-O, and then the word politics. I, I destroyed that one. Samantha yeah. Politics. It's really, Samantha. I don't know where I came up with it. I just wanted to be unique. <laughs> um, but I mean, if you just search that, you'll find it. And when this episode goes live, I can throw the YouTube link in. It's youtube.com slash Samantha Politics or samanthapolitics.org. Um, yeah, really appreciate if people, you know, subscribe. I also have a Patreon if they want to support production costs, because essentially it's mostly been a pro bono venture, uh, just because this is what keeps me up at night and what I care about. And I think it's important and no one's doing yeah, it. Absolutely. Um, so that's much appreciated if you want to support that in terms of the Women's Leadership Challenge. So we're actually accepting applications right now for the cohorts that are in the spring. Uh, so I have two cohorts starting probably February, March. One is in-person in Washington, D.C., and one is going to be virtual. So that's uh, womensleadershipchallenge.com. Or you can text 66866 to just be added automatically to my mailing list. It'll respond and ask you to enter your email. So that's 66, oh, sorry, excuse me. You text the word empower, E-M-P-O-W-E-E-R, to 66866 to be added to my mailing list. And then my other website for DEI training is empowerglobal.net. And we do trainings all over the world. I have trainers that speak lots of different languages. Uh, love, love working with different companies that care about these these issues. Well, we will we will help promote those things. That's what we do at Women Connect for Good. And Thank you, Nancy. Congratulations, congratulations on everything you're doing. Thank you. Uh, you know, it's you know making making a difference. You're making a difference every day of your life. So. Your 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 mom and dad, I'm sure, are thrilled and proud. <laughs> and your sister, um, that's wonderful, wonderful news. So it's been delightful getting to know you. I, I hope to get to know you better. But uh, for now, we have to say goodbye, or I'll see you later. But uh, best 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 wishes in all things. Thank you so much, Dr. Nancy Anna. It was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on your show, and I would look forward to collaborating. And just remember the challenge is lifting women up. Lift as you rise. Yeah. All Every right. day. <laughs> Thank you. I know, I know you do. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you enjoy these smart, amazing conversations, please subscribe, rate, and review them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And read and enjoy more amazing stories in my books, In This Together how successful women support each other in work and life, and leading women. 20 influential women share their secrets to leadership, business, and life. Thank you for listening.